your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian gets the snap, puts it in the belly of Wandale around the left side. He's got a first down, 35-30. Wandale, 25-20, 15-10-5. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to our Wednesday edition of Sports Nightly here on the Husker Sports Network. Coming up here this hour, we're going to talk with President Carter of the University of Nebraska, get our weekly update on how things are being handled at the university systems around the state of Nebraska. And we'll also have our weekly edition of Husker Huddle with Jeremiah Searles. He will sit down with a former teammate of his and a current member of the National Football League, Spencer Long. Looking forward to that chat coming up later on in the hour. But we've started this a couple of weeks ago and delighted to have Ted Carter join us again here tonight. President, thank you so much for spending some of your Wednesday with us. Um, how how has the week been in your eyes? Well, like a lot of us, it's a, a week of challenges, uh, trying to anticipate and plan for the future when most of us don't know what the future will hold. So uh, what I can say is uh, uh, being here in the state of Nebraska, working with all of our university partners, our faculty, uh, we just are so blessed to have terrific people uh, to be surrounded by. I mentioned just a moment ago that you you went to the online learning once the the students came back from spring break. You're now well past a week into that. What what updates are you hearing from students and faculty? Well, it's pretty remarkable how much uh, all of our faculty and staff, as well as our students, have really uh, you know just really stepped up. Uh, we're hearing that the, the programs are working really well. Um, uh, I think that many of our faculty have learned a tremendous amount, but it's also probably uh, surprising to many of our listeners uh, how many of our faculty have actually been involved in online education before, uh, especially out in Kearney. Uh, over 80% of the faculty have done online education. So, you know, I, I'd like to think that uh, we as a University of Nebraska system are one of the nation's leaders in, in how we're, you know, transforming ourselves to do the online education mission. I know UNL made an announcement earlier this week that they're going to continue this through their summer term. Take me through the decision-making process for that for the summer. Yeah, well, I think for most people, they really just want some level of predictability. Uh, I think we're going to start to see ourselves come on the backside of that uh, what now well-known curve. Uh, you know, life probably won't look like a normal for a little while, but we know that we can go to online education this summer, so we expanded our courseware at UNL, uh, offered it at a price point that uh, we thought would be more attractive. As many people know, our graduate programs in online education are nationally ranked, uh, especially uh, uh, you know in our business side and the legal side. Uh, so we're, we're looking at, in some cases, more than one and a half times our normal student load already for people that are signing up for our summer, summer programs. Ted, we've, we've talked so much the last couple of weeks about your student, your current students and your current faculty. What about looking ahead to, to the, the, the future students to this campus? This is a big time of year for tours, for young people getting enrolled for the first time at, at one of your campuses. How are you handling that type of thing? Well, obviously, we're concerned about uh, enrollment. We're doing everything we can to uh, maximize you know, the capabilities of doing virtual tours. Uh, UNL just had a big push for, uh, you know, the, the, the enrollment of the future freshman class coming up here for the class of 2024. Uh, tremendous, 
uh, amount of excitement and people that signed up, young men and women that signed up already. So, you know, we're obviously preparing and we want to be ready to go to in-classroom uh, education coming in the fall. Um, so we're trying to make it as exciting and do everything we can that would uh, kind of look like life as normal. Um, and uh, the admissions teams on all of our campuses, but especially UNL, they're doing a really great job. Busy with Nebraska President Ted Carter here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. The governor made an announcement this week that the state has come into a partnership with the university to use dorm spaces for quarantine patients. How did this come about? And, and talk about the relationships between the university and the state in a crisis like this. Yeah, I think this is just a, a fine example of the relationship that we have uh, with the governor of Nebraska, Governor Ricketts, as well as our uh, our mayors uh, across all of our campuses and all our major cities. Uh, we've been working on this for a while. It looks like it's now starting to come together. We're, we're a little bit less than 10% of the student body that was living in uh, dorms and campus uh, that have gone to a remote education and other locations. So we do have some dorms for those that did stay with us. We've kind of now put them all into one uh, place so that the available dorm spaces are separated. And this was really an intent for those like first responders, uh, those that are in the medical community that are, are working uh, tirelessly in this problem. Uh, if they wanted to quarantine themselves while they're working, um, this is uh, supported uh, financially through FEMA. So uh, I, we saw this as a chance for a win-win between the campuses and how we work with our community. Ted, are you, are you comfortable with the safety aspect of this, of having students who may be utilizing some dorm space with some people who could have some infections that come into the quarantine spaces? Yeah, we've uh, thought through all that in terms of separating by building for our students that are there. So they, you know, po folks that may be coming in for quarantine won't even be in the same buildings. And of course, we'll go through thorough cleaning when that period of time is over. So we're, we're confident we can do this safely. And we've been doing this with advice of our University of Nebraska Medical Center partners. Uh, so I'd like to think we've thought through all the possibilities here. I, I One thing that crossed the news desk in the last couple of days was a collaboration between UNO, their students, and the folks at UNMC to develop an app that's going to allow people to screen themselves for potential COVID-19 symptoms. Give us some more information about that. So this is just how everybody is stepping up to be part of the solution. Uh, we had a number of students at the University of Nebraska at Omaha, uh, some of our Scott scholars that actually wrote code and worked with uh, the company Apple to create an application that would be a kind of a pre-screener, if you will, an app that you put on your phone. It not only gives you some uh, baseline information about whether or not you are showing uh, symptoms or whether or not you're asymptomatic, it's also an ability to track and put people into a database. So this is the beginning of something that we know that we need. I mean, if we're gonna get through this, we're gonna have to get through not just testing, but tracking of uh, where the, uh, the infectious disease is. So really proud and excited of not only the work that was done by some of our students here, but uh, the collaboration between a great company like Apple. Oh, that's fantastic. Again, we're visiting with Ted Carter, University of Nebraska president here on Sports Nightly. You've been on the job since the first of the year. I'm sure this is not how you imagined your first three plus months going as president of this university. I'm sure you have some visions and things you want to get implemented. 
that has, I guess, to be put on the back burner right now because you have these pressing needs. How how has that changed your routine? How, and I'm sure you have to be adaptable in a, a position like yours. Well, I'm certainly on the phone a lot between uh, the chancellors, our board of regents, the governor, mayors, uh, pretty much all of our constituents, uh, chamber of commerce members, uh, and you know even uh, our big time donors. There's a lot of communication going on. Uh, I still do a lot of listening. You know the strategy that we were getting ready to roll out under what you know kind of looked like normal times a few months ago. Uh, it's been put on hold a little bit, but you know the big themes are still the same. We're we're here to take care of Nebraskans. We're here to educate uh, an entire generation of young men and women who will be ready to go into the workforce. You know, as we're looking at our near term and then uh, just what's on the other side of this, uh, we want to make sure that our price points, our attraction, our scholarship programs are set to support uh, the youth of Nebraska. And I'm excited about what some of the things that we're getting ready to roll out here in just a few weeks. Uh, you'll be hearing more about that here soon. Um, you know, obviously we're worried about the economics of the backside of this like everyone else, and we're preparing for that. We're doing, you know, as you expect, due diligence. Uh, about one third of our budget does come from the, the state. Uh, we're talking to uh, members of the unicameral and making sure we have an understanding of what the future might hold. So there's a lot of planning. Uh, a lot of preparation for what the future will hold. But there's one thing I know for sure. The University of Nebraska is going to be vibrant and relevant. Uh, we've got the right people here. And uh, the youth of Nebraska, they're stepping up too. Uh, I'm really encouraged to see how many young people want to go into the medical field. They see how important it is to be on the front line of this right now. We're seeing that trend, not just here in Nebraska, but nationally. So um, very, very proud to be part of this team. No doubt. You mentioned the financial strain that people have with this pandemic, and no doubt your students are, are not immune to this. We talked about this last week about there are some opportunities out there for Nebraskans to support some university students if they so desire. Can you update us again on that? Yeah, so working with our uh, University of Nebraska Foundation, uh, there is a uh, kind of an emergency relief fund. It's uh, focused on our students, our, our students that uh, have need. Uh, we've seen uh, quite a few uh, students that have uh, applied for some of that need, those that may have had a job that wasn't even affiliated with the university but lost it because it was a part-time job at a restaurant or something out here in town. Uh, and again, people are stepping up and helping to support that. Uh, not a surprise, our food banks are getting more active as this, uh, as this goes on. So I'm just thankful to the people uh, who support through their generosity, the, uh, through uh, just their good deeds to support with uh, their own financial resources to take care of our students. Ted, thank you so much again for spending some time with us. I think these are very informative, and I know our audience enjoys hearing from you and getting the updates from week to week. And I think you're right. I think we kind of feel like we're maybe starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, kudos to you and your chancellors and all the people at the university for all the fine work they've done over the last 30 days. Well, I appreciate I appreciate the time and I appreciate the ability to talk to our uh, Husker Sports Nation. Go Big Red. Welcome back. I'm Jeremiah Searles. This week on Husker Huddle, we have Spencer Long, former Nebraska offensive lineman and seven-year NFL vet, vet offensive lineman and one of my close, dear, personal friends. Spencer, how are you today? 
I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Just trying to stay uh, stay ahead of the curve here. And I wanted to get caught up with you. It's been a while since we've gotten able to get caught up with you and see how you're doing. You're going into seventh year, which is absolutely remarkable. You spent your first four years as a third-round draft pick on the Washington Redskins. You were then up in the New York Jets for two years, and you then spent the last two years going into your second year here with the Buffalo Bills. Walk us a little bit through what that NFL lifestyle has been like for you and kind of how you've been able to navigate it all the last seven years. Yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a it could be a long-ended question, but it's, you know, it was a lot, you know, as far as changing cities, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> changing areas, changing lifestyles, especially uh, coming from, you know, living in the country in Nebraska to moving to Washington, D.C. for the first four years. That was a big adjustment. The lifestyle was a big adjustment. I mean, um, going from working so hard during the season and then off season, you're completely off, but you have to be responsible with your time. And then, you know, after Washington moving cities two, for two years in a row, that was pretty tough. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a homebody, so I like to you know, get, get used to my space and what, what I'm used to. So, um, that was a hard adjustment, but you know, it's looking back on it, the, the days are long, but the years go fast. You know what I mean? So it, um, it's really gone by super quick, and I can't believe that's year seven already. It's wild. Well, we got to touch a little bit on free agency in the NFL. It's been absolutely wild these last few weeks. Biggest one being Tom Brady is no longer in the AFC East, which, in my opinion, puts the Bills and your squad there for, I mean, the taking. You guys got a young team. Talk about what makes Buffalo so special. Again, I, I know because we've been friends, you've talked about the teammates and the, the environment that is Buffalo Bills. But what makes that team just a little bit different than some of the other teams you've been on? You know, it just kind of reminds me of Lincoln. I tell people that all the time. It's it's a, it's a super good fit for me. Um, it's community football. The team means everything to them. Uh, Buffalo native is a diehard fan. Um, you know, they love their players through thick and thin, kind of. And, you know, they've had their struggles in the past, but they're still loyal. And um, it's just all about Bill's football up there. And, they're small town people, hard workers, blue collar people, and it's just a good spot for me. You know, it's a little different than, you know, New Jersey and New York City and all that. And it's, I like it. It's been a good change for me, so I'm glad I got a little continuity there going into year two for Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, one thing that I know that you and I talk about quite a bit, and we've talked about with some of our other buddies, is how stressful free agency really is can be. I mean, we've got our buddy Brent Qualley. He's going with the Houston Texans this year. Alex Lewis just signed back with the Jets. Malik Collins to the Raiders. I mean, things moving all over, and everyone sees the, the really cool part of free agency, which is the media posts and the, the moving on. But you and I have lived it, and it's a lot more stressful than people let on. How happy were you this year to not have to be dealing with free agency to be under contract and to be able just to kind of put all that to rest this offseason and really focus on just playing football oh it's it's so much better i mean people don't realize that going into free agency you don't have a job like imagine not knowing where you're going to be who you're going to be working for i mean you know hopefully that you're going to continue to play football mm -hmm. so your job occupation remains the same but i mean it's it's tough you don't know where who's you know going to pick you up who's the most interested how what your salary is going to be where you're going to go um and it's all super happy once it, it's, everything happens and it's super exciting but until you have that home there's a lot of uncertainty and it's just something you kind of have to accept um but this year i'm happy to remain a buffalo bill i'm happy to be there um i wouldn't there's no place i'd rather be right now so i'm just i'm super happy to you know continue to year year two there and have another year of continuity and not have to switch cities again because that's that's another adjustment 
Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about not having to adjust is having that stability. And speaking of st stability, you and I have lived back here in Nebraska pretty much. You've been here your entire life. We come back here every offseason. A lot of guys come back here every offseason. Why don't you tell guys what makes it so special as to why you want to come back here in the offseason? As NFL players, we have free reign. We can go anywhere. We can live anywhere in the country in the offseason. And uh, we all have our reasons that we come back to Nebraska. But what is a couple of those reasons for you that why you always come back here, especially to the university, to train and really still stay involved with this Husker program? Uh, yeah, that's a that's a big part of it is the university and how well they treat us. Um, and we, they get to come back and act like, you know, we're still athletes there. And um, they, you know, they take really good care of us and open their doors to us and treat us like family. So that's been a huge part. A lot of it's been, you know, having, uh, I know we're one shy. And unfortunately, I can't trade with you anymore, buddy. But uh, we've had a good group, you know, in the past six years. Um, but that's another reason we got a solid group of guys that would always come back and, and use the facility. So it's kind of like having a group of offensive linemen that, you know, we get to come train with and like, kind of pick up where we left off and we all get to incorporate our own ideas into training and all that stuff but it really is because the university opens our doors to us and treats us like family and once once a husker always a husker type of deal and it's it's really nice and another reason is just um you know this is where i'm this is where i'm from this is the pace I, of life i like you know i just you know simpler things out here in nebraska and uh, my family's out here i got a good core group of friends out here so it's just it's just a place I'd like to be and I always will be. The only problem is I don't get to play golf immediately in the off season. So that's the only negative I can think of. That's that's a fair one. I know you're a big golfer. Well, <laughs> with this coronavirus thing going on, one of the things that we've been talking about with guys is how this affects your everyday lifestyle and how this affects your training. I mean, OTAs have now been pushed back, maybe canceled indefinitely. The start of the season may look like it might not be in jeopardy. What are you doing now to prepare for the unknown really not knowing when this is going to come and start back up what's kind of been your mindset as things have unfolded here with not being able to go to OTAs this year for the first time yeah I mean guys guys have been a lot uh, really uncertain about it and um, you know gyms are going to be closing down I know they're we're not on complete lockdown here in Nebraska yet but that's a real possibility and we don't know how long this thing is going to last so I'm lucky enough that I was, I was able to get a space you know in my home that I can start building a gym and I was gonna I wasn't going to do that yet because I didn't need to, but it kind of forced my hand. And lately, I've even the last week, I've been scrambling to kind of put something together so I can at least, you know, keep up my physical shape um, as best I can in my house if I do if we do get on lockdown and really put in quarantine. And so that's one thing I've been doing. And you know, hopefully, I can find a turf field somewhere to get the field work in and just go run outside and um, when the weather's all right and just kind of maintain it as best you can. But I'm trying to get fully prepared that if they, you know force us to remain in our homes that I'm, I'm prepared to remain in physical shape and it's different for people you know if it's it's our job you know we it's mm -hmm. something we need to do and staying in physical shape yeah sure yeah if you're on quarantine you can as, as a you know regular citizen you know like okay you, like me I'll everybody just ride wants my to be in shape. yeah <laughs> no I mean it's good but and everybody, I'm, I'm glad everyone wants to, but I kind of have to, like, or else. Mm -hmm. So it's it's definitely very important. So I've been kind of scrambling there and I'm forced to spend, spend a little bit of money to try to build something at home that I can maintain with. And that's definitely on people's minds. I know I'm talking to uh, some, some of my teammates right now and saying, like, what are you guys doing? And um, do you guys have a plan? And what can we do? Or what, do you, what ideas did you guys have? And 
a lot of guys are in the same boat and I know there's the strength coach, the strength, our strength coach and strength staffs are kind of writing hybrid workouts and at home workouts just in case people can't leave. Cause I know there's a bunch of guys in California and New York, New York right now. They're not going to be able to go anywhere. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird deal. People don't understand a lot of times like you have to train, I mean, at least five to six days a week if you want to stay in peak physical performance to go there. So, well, shifting gears a little bit here, Spence, you spent a lot of time down at the university. You were training there. We got to talk a little bit about this 2020 Huskers team. First of all, missing spring ball. I know you and I kind of do little cheers because spring ball was brutal and we were just like, man, good for them. But I really think that this year, this spring ball was going to be really important for these guys and the fact for their development yeah. and their growth. I mean, what do you think missing spring, spring ball for this Husker team is going to mean in the fall? You know, especially when you're in the developmental process of football, like it's not going to mean quite as much for, you know, a person three or four years into the NFL, but these are crucial times as a football player to develop your craft. And I, I feel bad for the guys because they've worked their butts off all winter, you know, putting on weight, you know, gaining speed, conditioning. That's a lot of hard work to put in to get prepared for practice. And all of a sudden that's the rugs pulled out from under them. And there's nothing they can do about that. Unfortunately, some things, you know, take precedence over, um, over, you know, football. And we have to be real here. I mean, this is a, this is a serious situation that, you know, lives are at stake. So, I mean, it's something we unfortunately have to do, but it kind of puts things in perspective. But I know it means a lot to these kids, and it definitely means a lot to fans and former players and people that care about the program. And I guess all we can do is the best we can with what the hands were, you know, the hand we're dealt and what we're given. And I just uh, I hope the guys are finding a way to maintain that strength and really still focus on football, maybe get some extra film in, you know, get some technique stuff, technique work in wherever they can. Um, I mean, there's really nothing else you can do about it. It's, it's just unfortunate, but I think it was very crucial for this young team to start building on it, and we'll see how it turns out. But every practice is an important one at this time for this team, And but unfortunately there's nothing we can do to change that right now. Yep. All right, last question for you, bud. Going into the 2020 season for the Huskers, what are you looking for from this team? I'm not going to sit here and tell you I think that we're going to be a 10-2 and team. But, I mean, you're a former player. You look at it from the former player lens, much like I do. What are you looking at this 2020 team and thinking that this is what you want to see? Not a record prediction, but just what do you want to see out of year three Scott Frost team? I want to see more consistency. I don't want to see the ups and downs. I don't want to see the mass turnovers. I, to be honest, I'm looking back and thinking about what I've watched over the last couple of years. It's, it's been a little bit sloppy, and I think that comes with youth. I think that comes with time in the system and all that. And I think, you know, hopefully this year, I believe that this team, you know, will start to show a little bit more consistency all around and um, and build, start building a real platform and foundation to build upon, you know, and, and continue to build upon as the years go on. Um, I mean, I know under Coach Frost, like he's, he's proven, you know, what he did out there before, in his previous position and all that. Um, I, I I think the future is bright, and I really do. I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic about this team. But in order to, you know, really jump hard into that, I think we need to see major improvement and consistency. And just going out there and being like, okay, I watched that game. I'm like, all right, those kids battled. They they worked their butts off in that game, and they dominated. And I haven't seen that game yet. I haven't seen a dominating performance yet. Yeah, I think that's what we're all looking for as we head into year three here under the Scott Frost regime. Spencer, I thank you so much for joining us here on Husker Huddle tonight. I appreciate your time, and we'll all be watching next year as you go out there with the boys in blue up in Buffalo and hope for a good, healthy season, and we'll catch back up with you soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks for having me. No problem. Take care. 
for Famous Dave's Face-Off. They score the Face-Off! Famous Dave's, America's favorite barbecue, offers award-winning, mouth-watering, house-smoked barbecue for pickup, curbside, or delivery. Order three ways, online at FamousDaves.com, through the Famous Dave's app, or call your nearest location in Lincoln, Omaha, or Bellevue. Famous Dave's, locally and veteran-owned. Let's go. Lano Amano. You, me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Tim Curran. Here we are, week three of this. We're starting to get things down. I, th- I think we're kind of getting the hang of this. The first two weeks have been crazy, though, uh, right <laughs> down to the wire, nail biters yep. down to the seventh question. So you guys have a lot to live up to here in week three. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Did our stride last week. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump right into the questions. I think we all know how this works. So let's start with question number one. Name the four teams in college football besides Alabama and Clemson to win a national championship since the 2010 season. Besides those two? Yep. Who are the two you gave us? Alabama and Clemson. Ben? Greg? All right, Ben, you get the first crack at it. LSU? Is LSU on the board? They are. They won it in 2019, the most recent one. You have three left if you want to play, or you can pass it to Greg. Since 2010, right? Since 2010, including the 2010 I'm gonna, season. I'm going to play it. You're going to play it. All right, Ben, Yep. go for it. Jameis Winston's Florida State Seminoles. Is Florida State on the board? They are. 2013 is when they won it that season. So we ha- how many left do we have? Two left. The Auburn Tigers. Is Auburn on there? They are. They were in 2010, so the one that you have left is more recent. You've gotten three of the four. You have one left and no strikes on you. Um, man. I know it's not right, but the first school that comes to mind is Oklahoma. Is Oklahoma a school on the board? They are not on the board, and that is one strike for you, Ben. So you've said Man. LSU 2019. You also guessed Florida State 2013 and Auburn 2010. 2010 and later. Um, Keep stalling, Ben. It'll come to you eventually. <laughs> By the way, oh, say welcome hi to, to Tim the show, Curran. Tim. <laughs> Just waiting. Not stalling. I'm thinking. This is a tough. I got one. the first two with. I got the first two without even hesitation. I I, I get some think time. <laughs> uh, man, I do think we're probably guys going to put a clock. Florida on is is Florida a correct answer? They are not. That's two strikes. Yeah, all this time left. people yell at me for, for being the keeper of the yeah. shot clock. But and I was guilty of it last week, too. All right, I'll just come. throw one out since I'm kind of stumped here. USC. Is USC an answer? No. That is three strikes, ben. I can steal, huh? So you can steal. You have you have to get this last one right, but if you get it right, you, you steal it. The Ohio State Buckeyes. Mm. How is did I not get that? it the Buckeyes? It is. First category goes to Greg. Good work. Look at that. What a coup. Would you have got the other two? Yeah. I, well, I knew Florida State. I was thinking Florida State played Auburn. I'm like, well, it can't be both of them. So I may not have got Auburn. But yeah. dang it. 
Cam Clark. Newton's Auburn Tiger. All right, Greg, yep. you are out to a one nothing lead, and Tim, give him question number two. Yeah, question numero dos. Who are the top four players in Major League Baseball career home runs all time? Ben. Greg. All right, Ben, you get that. was Ben by a nose, right? Has there again, yeah. Barry Bonds. Is Barry on there? He is in the asterisk or not? <laughs> yeah, no asterisk <laughs> included on this one. How many yeah, more are true. there? Three more. I'll pass this one. Okay, Greg, you're up. Babe Ruth. Uh, show us the babe. <laughs> Baby Ruth is on there. So now you got two more. <laughs> um, Willie Mays. Uh, is Willie Mays on there? <laughs> he is not. That's one strike. You have two strikes left. Two more guesses for... Hank Aaron. Uh, show us Hammer and Hank. Hank is on there. 755 all-time home runs. So just one more I've left. got three of the four. I just need three of the four. I'll tell you, this last one's a little tougher. How about um, Mike Schmidt? Is Mike Schmidt on there? He is not. That's strike numero dos on question numero dos. One more player, one okay. more strike. This is number four on the list, too. Uh, we've gotten the top three guys. Yeah, you got yes. the first three. Yeah, this is the first Bonds, 762, Aaron, 755, and Ruth, 714. Um, Honus Wagner. Honus? Is Honus Wagner there? <laughs> Did they even have fences when he was playing? <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Is Cy Young on here? <laughs> No, so Ben, you can steal. Uh, Jimmy Fox. Is it Jimmy? Uh, Jimmy Fox. Fox. That's a good guess. Really good guess. Oh. It is not. Uh-huh. All right, so Greg, you take the category again. Who was it? Who was it? It was A Fraud <laughs> with 696 home runs. Alex Rodriguez? Oh, wow. Alex Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. Just really? shy of 700. Yep. Where was Willie Mays on the list, by the way? I thought Mays was fourth. He was either five or six. He's up in, yeah. in the upper okay. 600s, but okay. I think he's 650 something or 660. Was Fox something. in the neighborhood? You know yeah, what? I think I don't think he reached uh, 600. Um, there aren't very many guys in that 600 range. I think Mark McGuire is, is up there too. But right. Yeah, I was kind of I was I wanted to take a shot on an older guy. Yeah, no, I I like the. Uh, that's why I went with Honus. Right, Honus Wagner. That's that's an old guy, <laughs> no doubt. He is old. All right, <laughs> let's move on to question number three. Moving to the NBA next. Name the top five players in career points in NBA history. Greg. All right, Greg, you get the first shot at this one. Michael Jordan. Is Michael Jordan on the list? He is, and surprisingly, I'll give you this, he is the number five player in the top five. Yeah. I'm going to play this. All right, play it. Let's go with um, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar up there? He is. He is number one with over 38,000 career points. We would have also accepted Luel Cinder. Yes, we would have. Nice. Let's go with LeBron James. Is LeBron James up there? He sure is. Number three on the all-time scoring list in the NBA. Kobe Bryant. Give me Kobe Bryant. Four for four so far for Greg Sharp. So I need one more? You need one more, and you don't have a strike. 
What about Wilt Chamberlain? Is Wilt Chamberlain in the top five? He is not. That's strike one. All right, no Chamberlain. You're looking at the number two all-time score in NBA history. What about Tim Duncan? Tim Duncan. No to Tim Duncan. All right. It was looking like a runaway for the category, but now you're down to your last strike. and Danger zone. One player left. Yep. Um... How about Dirk Nowitzki? Is Dirk the German on there? He is not. That's three strikes. This is a tough ben one. Can steal. Yeah, Ben, you can steal it here. Ben, you'll need this. It's the yeah. You. Greg's running away. <laughs> I've got I've got it between two. Okay. Um. I Googled. Don't. I'm on video, Tim. Like you can clearly <laughs> watch what I'm doing. Um. Man, I don't know which one to pick. Because hmm. I feel like I feel like neither one, when you think of them, scoring is the first thing on their right. on Just, your mind. It's more longevity of career with exactly. These guys. Um, Larry Bird. How about Larry Bird? No. Oh. Dang it, Greg! You're three for three. It was Carl Malone. Mm. Mailman. Mailman. He, Good one. Yeah, he's a, kind of in that realm of Dirk. Dirk was kind of in that realm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. He he played for a long time. He's in the top five in a lot of different NBA categories. Yeah. So he's a all right long time. And Greg's player. leading three zip here. That's about right. To, about to crush Ben. Uh, so Jeez. we'll see if uh, Mr. McLaughlin can rebound. Uh, question number four: Which four players hold the top four rushing yards in a single season in Husker football history? For a single game. Single season. Uh, single what, season. Read the question correctly, single please. Single season. So single season. season. Yes. Single season. Right now. Huskers. Yep. Greg. All right, Greg. Mike Rogier. Uh, Show us Mike Rogier. Okay. Actually, we're going to back off a little bit. You're right, Tim. It is single game. It is single game. So there you go. Oh, most yards so, in the game. Yep. Are you still buzzing in, Greg? Are you... uh, well, yeah, I buzzed in and All I right. went with Rogier. So is Mike so. Rogier on there? Well, that is, he would be both. <laughs> he is both. So, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna play this too. How many? Okay. How many are there? There's four. There's four. Three. So left. There's three left. Roy Hallou. Is uh, Roy Hallou? Show us Hallou. Goodbye. That was the lead the Missouri game. Three oh seven. Amir Abdullah. Is Amir on there? Oh. He is not. Surprisingly. There are two more. Uh, Ken is that Clark. Two strikes or one strike? <laughs> you say that again, Greg? Ken Clark. Is Ken Clark on there? Yes, he is. Just he did more. it against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma We're going to hear it Friday. That's right. Thanks for the yeah. tease. Yeah. So I need one more. You need one more, and this then will have, win you the whole game if you get this one. I have two strikes left. You have correct? two strikes, yep. Um, I'm on green. Is Mon Green on there? Oh. He's not. It's 
one strike left. This one for the whole shebang. Can All I ask her? Th- this, these are running backs, correct? It doesn't yes. have to be. But it doesn't have to be. Okay. It's top four I rushing of... yards in a single game. Okay. So uh, that changes my thought process here. I may go with a Taylor Martinez. Ooh. Ooh. Is it T-Magic? Good guess. I like that. It's not, but I like your thinking outside the box. Oh, All right, man. Ben. Again, I have ben it between Stern. two, and I don't know which one to pick. Just like last time. Uh, I'll give you give you a clue, Ben. This is I don't. This probably won't help anything, but Roy Hulu is the number one on top of this list with the 307 against Missouri. Uh, he's the only player on the list above 300 yards. So the, all the other three yeah, that are in the top. That four. does nothing for me. Um, <laughs> God, well you're welcome. Just gave it to him. Just gave it away. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna guess this player just because I know he's there and touched uh, touchdowns in a game. Calvin Jones. Show us Calvin Jones. Ben, staying alive. Ben, How, about that? How about that, Tim? Huh? On life. He pulled that. Where'd you pull that? Hey, I was that for you. I, it was getting rough watching you just get beat like a club, like a seal. <laughs> oh, man. Jeez. All right. Tim, so, I'd like to play this against you one time. Oh. Uh, we'll see about that. Maybe. Maybe down the road in the future. Uh, yeah, by the way, Calvin Jones, second on that list, 294. I believe that was against Kansas in 91. Kansas? Yeah, yeah, that That's was right. the game that I was thinking of, but I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if he got the yards. I knew right. he had the he touchdowns. Had, I think it was six touchdowns. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. All right, moving on to question number five, Greg holding a 3-1 to one lead. What are the three most recent Big Ten teams to win the Men's College Basketball National Championship? Ben. All right, Greg. Ben. Michigan State. Give me Michigan State. Correct. They won it in the year 2000. Really the three most back. recent. You, three most recent. There's only two left. You want to pass or play? I feel like I have to play it. I mean, you don't have um, to, but. Yeah, I feel sure. like I have to. Okay, do it. Um, Who are the other two? I don't know that they won it. Michigan? Is Michigan on the board? They are. They won it in 1989. Okay, so we are going back that far. It's the most three recent Big Ten teams, so. Uh, Yeah, but I wasn't sure if there was a Big Ten team that went back that far. Gotcha, gotcha. God, I know they made a Final Four run. Maryland? Give me Maryland. No. There's one strike for you, Ben. So far, you have Michigan State and Michigan, the two Michigans. I know it's not Nebraska. I know it's not Northwestern. <laughs> yeah, just start eliminating. Come to that I know it's not Rutgers. Uh, I know it's not Iowa. You know it's not Maryland because you've already probably guessed that. I know it's not Maryland. <laughs> um, it's probably not IUPUI. <laughs> Are there any other Michigan schools that you can think of? No. I think that, that about covers it. Give me, uh, give me Minnesota. Minnesota. There's two. Two strikes. I don't know that they ever won it. I don't think they ever won it. Indiana. Is it Indiana? It is. Bang. Look at you. Two in a row. Indiana, 1987. So those are the most three recent teams to win from the Big Ten, the NCAA tournament. Good work. So now three to ben two. Three to two, dead. Greg, with the lead. 
Tim's All right, question quiet. number six. Name the Kansas City Chiefs' four most recent first-round draft picks. Ben. All right, ben, All right, ben, go ahead. Eric Fisher. Oh, is Eric late. Fisher on there? Indeed, you got three left. Go ahead and read the rest of the clue, Tim. Oh, yeah, so they get a hint here. So they haven't had a first-round pick the past two years. Right. Um, So there, how many more do I have to get? You have three left. I'm going to play it. Okay. Okay. Marcus Peters. Give us Marcus Peters. You can beat on there. You have two left to tie it up. Um, he was a second rounder. He was a second rounder. <laughs> oh man, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, yep. Greg sitting there waiting in the wings. He was a second rounder. Man, we had a lot of good second round picks. Yep. Breland Speaks. I think he was a second rounder. Uh, Breland it, Speaks on there. He's not. You didn't sound so sure of that yourself. That's one strike. How many more do I have? Two. Two more. Um, Man, I think he was a second round pick as well. We should have just switched this to who had a second round pick. <laughs> right. So you would have known all of those guys. Just killing it. I don't feel like he's. They're on the current roster. <laughs> we, Don Tari Poe. <laughs> Don Tari Poe. Is po? he on there? And, and no, he's not. I, I'm not going to wait for the buzzer. No. <laughs> Poe was a first rounder, right? But yeah. Probably. He was before. I believe back. he was 11 or 12. Yeah. yeah he was. He was a he ways played back. Memphis. Well, Memphis guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Eric Fisher, you guessed already. Ben. He was in 2013. He, yeah, he was the latest he, one. He's the yeah the furthest one. Because I thought I thought he was maybe even too late. I'm just trying to think of first round guys. Yeah, at Marcus this point. Peters was 2015. You also guessed him. Two left. <sighs> one nice chance. Drama. One more chance. Yeah. One chance. I'm trying to even just think of what position. Sure. Oh, um, I got it. Chris Jones. <laughs> Chris. Chris Jones on there. Whoa! You don't have it. You're struck out. It's Greg's turn now. You got two more guesses. Go for the steal, Greg. Ben, do you consider yourself a Chiefs fan? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Oh. <laughs> Ready for the yeah. hand to drop. How about Uh-oh. Patrick Mahomes? Is Fratty I was out thinking the there. box. <laughs> There are people Patrick. in yes, their cars yelling. I came up with Breland Speaks. Yeah, but not I know. Patrick I, know. I, was, I was thinking way too far back. <laughs> yeah. Who was the other one? I thought, she, I thought Chris Jones was the other D one. Ford. D Ford. D Ford. I knew it was a defensive I thought, lineman. I, I thought you so, were right on Chris Jones. but Here are all the second yeah. round guys I was thinking of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> List them off. Travis Kelsey. Um, <sighs> Breland Speaks. Uh, Tyreek Hill. No, he was like a fourth rounder, I think, fourth or fifth rounder. Man, I can't believe I got that. Yeah. All right, like well, the holy cow. For, the, for the first time in Famous Dave's face-off history, we'll leave a question on the board, so we didn't go we, all the do way Do we know down. what it is? Right. We do know what it is. We'll leave it for next week. Just save it for okay. next week. We'll yeah, save it go. for next week. It's good. a good one. Yeah. You guys will love that good. one. 
Ben has had his Chiefs fan card removed. Oh man, he, he has lost his Chiefs fan card. <laughs> ah, you wouldn't great. have got you wouldn't have got any of the other ones. <laughs> I would Tensions have got are high. Mahomes. Tension. Yeah, you did get Patrick. Next, Mahomes. Well, here's the deal. Even if I got Mahomes, I wouldn't have come up with D four. Yeah, that's but tough. I was right that he wasn't yeah. on the Greg, team. Greg, would you have had D Ford if you had had no? Because I had Chris. I had yeah. Chris Jones written down. I I had Mahomes. I'm going. Well, he's going to get Mahomes. Right. You. Then he doesn't get yeah, Mahomes. It, I mean, Mahomes. honestly, it wouldn't have mattered anyway because yeah. I wouldn't have got D Ford. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Congrats. Very Greg. good. Hey. Thank you. Happy to welcome into the program now one of the newest, the newest member of the Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame, Nebraska women's basketball star Martise Ivy. Martise, first of all, congratulations. You're a Hall of Famer. How's that sound? Man, that sounds wonderful. Thank you. No problem. Well, tell us how you found out. We've had some of these awards before, and, and sometimes some, some good stories come out of them. When, when you found out, um, I guess, what was your first thought and reaction when you were told? Man, well, you know what? Um, Coach Williams called me on uh, a couple of days ago, Monday, and um, she had actually reached out uh, last week and wanted to kind of schedule some time to chop it up with her. And so I didn't really know. I was like, we didn't really talk about basketball. They were real vague. Hmm. And so uh, she called and uh, basically was like, hey, listen, just wanted to kind of let you know that uh, you're getting inducted into the the university's hall of fame i mean so i you know i mean i it just seems like super surreal you know just super surreal right now just uh really feeling blessed and, and thankful for the opportunity the, the cool thing about um talking to athletes well after their careers are over is the the most meaningful parts of playing nebraska are, are the first things in their mind. So, you know, when, when we got the release that you were going to be named part of the Hall of Fame, it lists all your statistics, where you're from, uh, getting your jersey retired and all of that. But, but when you think back to your days at Nebraska, what's, what's the first thing that you remember or tell people about playing for the Huskers? Well, you know what? I, um, I, there was a lot of parallels with when I played at Nebraska and then I played at Omaha Central was that I went to two programs that – really hadn't been doing really well and um you know i was with a group of uh young women and in both scenarios in both situations where we collectively decided we wanted to do something different with the program and man it just uh you know it turned out right and uh i made some uh i met some wonderful people that uh, we all were thinking about the same thing and same goals, and and it worked out. I mean, so uh, yeah, those are the things I think I think about when I went to Nebraska. I was like, wow. I mean, I could have went to a lot of different places, and I ended up here. And so let's just make it better. Exactly. And we did. Yeah, exactly right. Being from Omaha, what was the other than just being close and, as you said, help, helping turn a program around, what was it about staying in state that, that ultimately decided for you that that's where you wanted to go to school and, and try and get things going for the Big Red? Well, you know what? I think a lot of that was just driven by my family. And so um, I was a young uh, senior. I was 17 when I graduated from high school. So, you know, transition. I was 17 when I entered at Nebraska. I didn't turn 18 until a couple of weeks after I was on, on campus. And so I think just uh, having that direction from my family and that guidance from my, my parents. And, uh, you know, they see some things sometimes that we don't see when we're young, when we're younger. And so I think just, uh, you know, that assurance that they were going to be there um, 
wasn't really like initially where I wanted to go. Honestly, I wanted to go somewhere where they had they had three seasons, a spring, summer, and a fall. Uh, you know, I could definitely eliminate that winter piece. But um, once I got there, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, the rest is history. I, I bleed red. I'm Husker all day long. Well, you don't put up the amount of statistics that that you did at Nebraska without having the right mindset. For you, when did you realize that you could be the caliber of college player that you were and just being so confident that you could do that every single night? Did it take some adjusting, or did you have that mindset from the get-go when you got on campus? You, you know what? I think um, I think it's just all kind. Of, it all kind of came together. But for sure, you have a different type of mindset. I mean. Uh, you go in after my junior senior year after we went Central High went 50 and 0, and we were you know five or six in the country as it relates to high school teams. I think it, at that point in time you know um, individually and collectively if you have the right people together, then you can accomplish the right things. And so uh, I went in there with a the mindset, and for sure you try to get acclimated and adjust to you know your surroundings. Uh, you know, the dynamics of the seniors being there, upperclassmen, and, and where you fit in. And so, uh, but after probably like the fifth or sixth game, it was just kind of like, it's it's game on. Let's just play. Let's play. So, and, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's been great. And, and play you did. Um, and then you don't, obviously, something we don't take lightly, at least on the basketball side of things or any sport for that matter, is getting your jersey retired. What, what's that What's that honor like, to, to be just the second Husker to have your jersey retired and, you know, to be presented with that number 30? What was that like? Man, you know what? Uh, I, um, you know, all this stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a uh, – I'm one of those souls where uh, just – try to be and stay in that space of being super humble and um and thankful and really just um you know when uh when you have your opportunity to be acknowledged by the the fans at Nebraska are I mean are incredible they've always been and they still are I mean even when this you know even when this hit you know folks are like texting me emailing me hitting me up on Facebook and so I think that, um, you know, when you get your number, I went to the game this year to watch Nebraska play against Duke. And uh, me and my dad, we went and we, you know, just to walk into the arena and and there's your number or sometimes when the games are being televised and to see yourself, I mean, you kind of like, sometimes you like that, like that's me. And, And you don't really like, you don't get it. I mean, I, it doesn't really register, you know, uh, a whole lot. It's just kind of like, yeah, that's me. It's cool. Uh, but, yeah, it's uh, it's just like you're in a different world. It's kind of super surreal. Just kind of hard to explain. Talking with Mortise Ivey, the newest member of the Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame here on Sports Nightly. Well, you mentioned you got the phone call from Coach Williams, another former player. What What's it like for you nowadays to just sit back and watch – uh, somebody who put on the jersey and and now leading the Huskers in a way that you know that you can be proud of and hopefully that all Husker fans can be proud of. Absolutely, I mean Coach Williams done she's done wonderful things uh, at Nebraska in her short tenure. So uh, definitely excited for her and the way that she's moving uh, the program in the direction. And so I think you you know as a Husker, whether it's uh, for sure basketball, football volleyball or whatever sports, golf, uh, t- whatever, 
you, I mean, you're always excited uh, because you are a part of that culture. Uh, and, um, you know, just to see, you know, what it is that she's trying to do and then have an opportunity to be a, be a former Husker and then be able to coach. I mean, I know that that's probably been a dream of hers. And so I'm super excited for her and the opportunities, you know, um, to move the Husker program forward. The other cool thing about being an alumni and, and again, you know, having your career in the rear view is, is the relationships that you built while you were here with your teammates and your coaches and um, just the ability to, to ma- maintain contact with them and, you know, reminisce in some old times. What's that like to be whenever you do come back for a game or run into somebody somewhere uh, to just kind of have that nostalgia kind of creep back into your mind about your playing days at Nebraska and reliving some of those fun times? You know, what's really cool is right now, currently, um, I've had an opportunity to um, partner with Omaha Public Schools, and and I created an academy called Ivy League's Youth Sports Academy, and um, I was fortunate enough to have one of my uh, teammates with me, Pam Feeney, but it's Pam Dubas now, uh, came on board in the capacity as the director of basketball for me, so we get to hang out often and chop it up and talk about, you know, our Nebraska days. And, uh, you know, we get to talk about some of the things that we want to do currently with the program. And so it's been wonderful. I think any time that, that I have an opportunity to get down there and, um, you know, be a part of the program and see the players and see the fans, uh, I mean, it's always – super gratifying, you know, and uh, it just, I mean, it's just, it's a good feeling. It's a great feeling. And, and I'm a native. I mean, I'm, I'm born and raised Omaha, Nebraska. So for sure, it's all great on this end for me. Sounds great. Well, congratulations again, the fourth of just six members in the 2020 Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame class. Obviously just a tremendous honor and elite company that you're in. Congratulations again from all of us. And we hope to see you around a game again real soon. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. It's Greg Sharp, Ben McLaughlin, back for the final few minutes here of hour number two. Full hour, we had our famous face-offs, and then Ben had a chance to chat with more Tease Ivy. Terrific interview. Really enjoyed hearing her and some great perspective on her playing days both in Nebraska and then at the prep level up in Omaha. Man, she was a talented player, and you have to be to get your jersey retired someplace like Nebraska. So really enjoyed that. That was fun. Yeah, pretty hard to quantify you know what her career uh did for nebraska basketball like you look at the statistics and they're enough to blow you away but um i mean she's she's the mount rushmore she's on the mount rushmore mm-hmm. for sure and um you know it, it makes it even more special when when that kind of player comes from our state in this case omaha and i know she's been really active in the in the community here in omaha and of course her alma mater omaha central so big time congratulations to her and we appreciate her jumping on with us tonight there are still a couple of more members, two more members to be revealed for the 2020 class. It's going to be honored at a football game in the fall. Uh, that's Those are probably going to be revealed next week. They've been doing a couple a week, and so far we've heard from Terry Pettit, uh, Jordan Larson last night, uh, Amanda 
Burgoyne, and then tonight Mortise Ivy from women's basketball. So we'll find out the other two coming up next week. That that Hall of Fame is only five years old, and I mean, I, I remember JB was talking to Coach Pettit, going, "I can't believe you're not in this thing," but it is only five years old. It takes a little while to get through some of the. I mean, that her first class, those first couple classes were unbelievable, and, and so now you're still getting some other sports in there with some really well deserved people, and certainly it's what we've heard so far is fit that bill. Yeah, it's those lips lists. When you start a list at any program or any university, it fills up quick because uh, there are always great players to come. But let alone at a place like Nebraska, where uh, it's a special place. It's been around a long time, and there's so many special coaches and players that have been through here. Uh, it's going to take some time to get to everybody that's deserving. And uh, you know, even five years in, you can start making a list of deserving people that are probably should be waiting by their phones for a call here real soon. You know, yesterday we told you about Mike Gundy's comments that got a lot of pushback from around the country. Our friend Dennis Dodd at CBSSports.com interviewed Brian Kelly, Notre Dame's head football coach today, and he had a pretty good uh, observation about when can college football get going. And he said, we haven't won this thing yet, the battle against coronavirus. We're just getting to halftime. We we have a second half to play. He said, we've done a good job in the first couple of quarters, but we're just getting to the locker room and take a look at things, and then we'll see what happens from that point on. I think that's a pretty good way to look at it, and we talked about this a little bit in hour one. You know, no sports league is going to do this, Ben, without getting the clearance from health officials. I mean, I I think that th- those two are going to go hand in hand, but I'm just glad that we maybe are to the point where we can at least kind of start thinking about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what a metaphor. I mean, that's... That's about as creative as Brian Kelly has been with any interview ever. Uh, so, so kudos to him for that, uh, for pro- providing a little relief to people and, and taking a taking a smart way out to answer that. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, what a fun hour! In famous face-offs and Mortis Ivy here in hour number one on Sports Alley. Want to thank Ben and Josh and even Tim for dropping in tonight during this hour. Good to have him, his voice pop up here on a Sports Alley on a Wednesday night or hump day edition of Sports Alley.